Philippians 4, verses 10 through 14. I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at last you have renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you have been concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. I'm not saying this because I am in need, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do everything through him who gives me strength. Yet it was good of you to share in my troubles. These are the inerrant words of God. May they give strength to all those who hear them. This fall, Apple will be releasing the iPhone 8. It will have an improved data processor, generating lightning-fast Google searches. It will also feature a 5.8-inch OLED edge-to-edge display. Whatever that is. And it's rumored that it will use facial recognition, replacing Touch ID, which is so out of date. I'm sure all those iPhone 7 users will be trading in their obsolete dinosaurs of a phone for Apple's latest and greatest. In a world full of happy meals and overnight shipping, it seems like people are more discontent than they have ever been. We have all these modern conveniences, and yet nobody seems to be satisfied. For example, in the last 100 years, the average lifespan in the U.S. has risen from 54 in 1917 to 79 in 2017. That's an increase of life expectancy by 25 years. Yet instead of celebrating such an achievement, we are clamoring for better health care. We want instant gratification in every aspect of life. I mean, think about it. Instant communication. We have smartphones and email and social media. Instant entertainment. We have Netflix and Hulu where we can binge watch whole seasons of television without having to patiently wait week after week to see what will happen next. Instant information. Google and Wikipedia have made us experts in everything. And instant food. Need I say more than McDonald's? In our consumer-driven world, it seems that no matter how innovative we get, people are never satisfied. Last week, you learned from God's word that you are to rejoice in the Lord always. No matter how dire your circumstances are, no matter how much suffering you are undergoing, the Lord is near, and you can find joy in Him. 
Paul now continued his letter to the church in Philippi with a final missionary note of gratitude, a vivid expression of his thanksgiving. And he does this in two ways. First, by instructing them on the sacrifices that are made by missionaries. He demonstrates to them the fulfilling, that the fulfilling of the Great Commission is a hard road to travel, requiring of those who go to put aside their worldly conveniences. Second, Paul reminds them that a sacrificial cost is also necessary of the sending church, of which they are the standard. When it comes to giving and missionary support, this church outshines all the rest. This Sunday, we're going to discuss Paul's first point, and we'll save point two for our final sermon in Philippians for next week. So let's dig in and see what we can learn about Paul's secret when it comes to contentment. Philippians 4, verse 10. I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at last you have renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you have been concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. The overall mood of this letter is one of joy and tenderness. While Paul did spend some time reproving this congregation, he did so gently and with affectionate love. And he now continued to express that that heartfelt warmth by saying that he rejoiced greatly in the Lord because they had renewed their concern for him. This renewal was demonstrated through Epaphroditus' journey to the apostle, along with the generous donation aiding Paul's ministry as he sat in chains for the gospel. And don't misread this verse as a rebuke from Paul, as if Paul was saying, well, it's about time you guys thought of me. No. We must remember that communication was very difficult in the first century A.D. Most likely, the Philippians had no clue where Paul was or what he was doing until a messenger had come their way. So even if they wanted to, they had no opportunity to help Paul out. So Paul was rejoicing because this church family, those he dearly loved, finally had an opportunity to show their concern for him. And they did not disappoint. Let's look at verse 11. I am not saying this because I am in need, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. Paul now throws in a qualifier of his previous statement. He doesn't want them to think that his joy is only over the financial boon that he gained through them, but rather his joy comes from the fact that they had continued to be faithful in their giving to God. So he began this little lesson on contentment. You see, the Philippians, they needed to learn that true satisfaction doesn't come through material blessings. Rather, It comes from a different source. And over the years, Paul had learned this little secret. He was was content, no matter what circumstances may have been for him. Verse 12. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. 
I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. Paul knew both need and plenty. He knew what it meant to go hungry and to have more than enough food. He traveled without money in his pockets, and he traveled with a full purse. He lived as a free citizen of Rome, yet now he was chained for Christ. Paul had learned the secret of being content in any and every situation. And notice here, Paul, Paul doesn't just point to the dire circumstances in his life. It was both the bad and the good that God used to teach him this lesson. Being poor or experiencing suffering doesn't automatically lend itself to learning contentment. There are plenty of discontented, poor people in this world. And the opposite is true as well. Being rich and avoiding pain does not guarantee a satisfying life. J.D. Rockefeller was the first American billionaire. Once he was asked by a reporter, how much money is enough? His response, just a little bit more. You see, real contentment does not come through amassing wealth, nor does it come through of ridding oneself of all worldly possessions. For Paul, he had peace in both circumstances. The question is, was it Paul's experiences alone that gave him such wisdom? Well, yes and no. You see, situations like this, they, they are trials by fire, if you will. In times of plenty and in times of want, the question was, where would Paul look for contentment? When there was no bread on the table and no money to purchase a meal. Would Paul look to the things of this world to solve his problems? Or would he bring his troubles to God through prayer? And when his stomach was full and he had no needs at all, would he continue to find his joy in the Lord? Or would he find his pleasure in the luxuries of this life? Listen to the wisdom that comes to us from the book of Ecclesiastes. Ecclesiastes 1, verses 8 and 9. All things are wearisome, more than one can say. The eye never has enough of seeing, nor the ear never has enough of hearing. What has been will be again, and what has been done will be done again. There is nothing new under the sun. <coughs> Solomon, who wrote these words, he looked for contentment in the things of this life, but could not find it. In Ecclesiastes 2, verses 10 and 11, we read this. I denied myself nothing my eyes desired. I refused my heart no pleasure. My heart took delight in all my work, and this was the reward for all my labor. Yet when I surveyed all that my hands had done and what I had toiled to achieve, everything was 
meaningless, a chasing after the wind. Nothing was gained under the sun. Likewise, God had instructed Paul that everything under the sun was vanity. Nothing on this earth will give a person true contentment. Rather, it is when a person's eyes look above. When it looks above the sun, that's when things become clearer. Philippians 4, verse 13. I can do everything through Him who gives me strength. This is a secret. I can do everything through Him who gives me strength. Now, if there was ever a passage of Scripture that gets twisted more than any other, it's probably this one. Paul isn't saying here that nothing is impossible for him. And he isn't saying that through God, he can achieve any worldly dream of his. Unfortunately, this is what a lot of pastors preach from this passage. They, they rip this verse right out of its context and use it to scratch itching ears, telling unsatisfied people what they want to hear. They think that the word everything from this verse means whatever you want it to mean. You want a new car? Well, through him who gives you strength, you can have it. You want to be healed from your cancer? Well, through him who gives you strength, you can be healed. You want your dream job? Well, through him who gives you strength, you can achieve it. The Greek word that Paul used here is panta, and it means all things are all of this. In this context, Paul is pointing back to the previous verse, that secret of being content in any and every situation. The secret for Paul, who sat in chains for Christ, was not finding release from that prison through him who gives him strength, but rather to find contentment in his chains through him who gives him strength. By God's wisdom, Paul welcomed his situation with open arms, even though it was not a comfort for him. For he knew that God had providentially placed him in that Roman cell for the furtherance of the gospel. So no, this verse does not teach that we can have or that we can do whatever we want by God's power. Yet in this verse, we are also reminded of the paradox of God's sanctifying work in the life of a believer. I can do everything implies that there is some effort on Paul's part. Through him who gives me strength implies that God is the one that is working through Paul. Paul now gave the, the church of Philippi one more reminder of the truths he conveyed to, to them in Philippians 2, verses 12 and 13. Therefore, my dear brothers, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you to will and to act according to his good purpose. 
Paul could handle his imprisonment simply because God gave him strength. No matter what is happening in your life, whether you find yourself in need or in plenty, true contentment can only come from above. You won't find it under the sun. Verse 14. Yet it was good of you to share in my troubles. Paul's first lesson was now finished, and he once again shared his warm thanks to the members of this giving church. These Philippian Christians truly did share in Paul's troubles. They prayed for him. They sent Epaphroditus to him. And they sacrificed even when they were in distress in order to ease the suffering of their father in the faith. It is one thing to partner with someone in times of success. But genuine companions help out in times of trouble. These brothers and sisters in in Philippi, they, they would not let Paul suffer alone. And for that, Paul rejoiced. We live in such a rich society. I mean, yes, we do have the poor among us, and I I don't want to underplay that. But the majority of the U.S. lives in what would be considered a futuristic utopia compared to the world of Paul. The things I can do on my smartphone alone would make the emperor of Rome jealous. So why is our society so discontent? Why is it that we see protests on the streets when there are so many blessings all around us? Is it possible that we are trying to satisfy our needs by looking to things under the sun? Like the author of Ecclesiastes said, meaningless, meaningless, everything is meaningless. Dear friends, if you are unsatisfied in this life, might I suggest that you have been looking to the wrong source for your contentment? Where is your focus? Is it upon the treasures of this earth? Or are you looking above to the creator of all things? In Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 through 21, Jesus had this to say. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Brothers, sisters, this is a heart issue. Genuine contentment can only come from God. This is why Paul gave up everything to follow Christ. He knew that the things of this world could not satisfy. He had already lived that life, and it fell short. Christ had come to him in glory. And it was that glory that drove the apostle to consider himself as a slave to Christ. Why? Because Jesus gave up everything for him 
first. Christ, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, the very nature of a servant. Being made in human likeness, and being found in the appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. This is where Paul found his contentment. He could do everything through Christ who gave him strength. Grace-driven contentment. Brothers and sisters, Jesus did the same thing for you. He put on flesh for you. He took up his cross for you. He shed his blood for you. And if you have placed your trust in him, then all of your sins are washed clean. And you have been set free from the trappings of this world. No longer are you enslaved by the things under the sun. The Lord is your new hope. He is where you can find true contentment. No matter what situation you find yourself in, whether in plenty or in want, you will be able to say, I can do everything through him who gives me strength. Let us pray. Father, help us to rely on you. Let us not look to the things under the sun to satisfy our needs and desires. May our gaze be upon you. Let our hearts be fixed on your Son, who died on the cross for our sins. Allow our lives to be guided by your Holy Spirit, who directs our minds towards heavenly things. We ask that you would give us strength to do everything that may come our way. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.